0: Book 8, Chapter 9 of History of the Reformation in the Sixteenth Century, Volume 2, by Jean Henri Mel d'Aubigny, translated by Henry Beveridge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9 Though desirous to follow the path of meekness, Zwinglius was not idle. Since his illness, his preaching had become more profound and enlivening more than 2000 persons in zurich had received the word of god into their heart made profession of the evangelical doctrine and were themselves able to announce it zwinglius's faith was the same as luther's but more the result of reasoning luther advances with a bound zwinglius owes more to clearness of perception luther's writings are pervaded with a thorough personal conviction of the benefits which the cross of christ confers upon himself and this conviction glowing with heat and life is the soul of all he says the same thing doubtless exists in zuinglius but in an inferior degree he had looked more to the christian system as a whole And admired it particularly for its beauty, for the light which it sheds into the human mind, and the eternal life which it brings to the world. The one is more the man of heart, the other more the man of intellect. And hence it is that those who do not experimentally know the faith which animated these two great disciples of the Lord fall into the grossest error, making the one a mystic and the other a rationalist the one is more pathetic perhaps in the exposition of his faith and the other more philosophical but both believe the same truths they do not however look at all secondary questions from the same point of view but that faith which is one that faith which quickens and justifies its possessor that faith which no confession no article of doctrine can express is in the one as in the other The doctrine of Zwinglius has often been so much misrepresented that it seems proper here to give an account of what he preached at this time to the increasing crowds who flocked to the Cathedral of Zurich. The fall of Adam Zwinglius regarded as the key to man's history. Before the fall, said he one day, man had been created with a free will, so that he was able, if he chose, to keep the law his nature was pure being as yet untainted by the malady of sin his life was in his own hand but wishing to be equal to god he died and not he only but every one of his descendants all men being dead in adam none can be recalled to life until the spirit who is god himself raised them from death the people of zurich who listened eagerly to this powerful orator were saddened when he set before them the sinful state into which human nature has fallen but soon after heard words of joy and learned to know the remedy which is able to recall man to life christ very man and very god said the eloquent voice of this shepherd son of the Tockenberg, has purchased for us a redemption which will never terminate The eternal God died for us. His passion then is eternal. It brings salvation for ever and ever. It appeases divine justice for ever in favor of all those who lean upon this sacrifice with firm and immovable faith. Wherever sin exists, exclaimed the reformer, death must necessarily supervene. Christ had no sin, there was no guile in his mouth, and yet he died ah it was because he died in our stead he was pleased to die in order to restore us to life and as he had no sins of his own the father who is full of mercy laid the burden of our sins upon him the christian orator continued since the will of man rebelled against the supreme god it was necessary if eternal order was to be re-established and man saved that the human will should be made subject in christ to the divine will he often repeated that it was for the faithful people of god that the expiatory death of jesus christ had been endured those in the city of zurich who were eager for salvation found rest on hearing these good news but old errors still remained and these it was necessary to destroy Setting out from this great truth of a salvation which is the gift of God, Zwinglius forcibly discoursed against the pretended merit of human works. Since eternal salvation, said he, proceeds solely from the merits and death of Jesus Christ, the merit of our works is nothing better than folly, not to say rash impiety. Could we have been saved by our works, it had not been necessary for Jesus Christ to die. All who have ever come to God came to him by the death of Jesus Christ. Zwinglius perceived the objections which some of his hearers felt against these doctrines. Some of them called upon him and stated them. He mounted the pulpit and said, People, more curious perhaps than pious, object that this doctrine makes men giddy and dissolute but of what consequence are the objections or fears which human curiosity may suggest whosoever believes in jesus christ is certain that everything which comes from god is necessarily good if then the gospel is of god it is good and what other power would be capable of implanting among men innocence truth and love O god most compassionate most just father of mercies exclaimed he in the overflowing of his piety with what love hast thou embraced us us thy enemies with what great and certain hopes hast thou inspired us us who should have known nothing but despair and to what glory hast thou in thy son called our littleness and nothingness thy purpose in this ineffable love is to constrain us to yield thee love for love then dwelling on this idea he showed that love to the redeemer is a more powerful law than the commandments the christian said he delivered from the law depends entirely on christ christ is his reason his counsel his righteousness and whole salvation christ lives in him and acts in him christ alone guides him and he needs no other guide and making use of a comparison adapted to his hearers he added if a government prohibits its citizens under pain of death from receiving pensions and presents at the hands of princes how gentle and easy this law is to those who from love to their country and to liberty would of their own accord refrain from so culpable a proceeding but on the contrary how tormenting and oppressive it feels to those who think only of their own interest thus the righteous man lives joyful in the love of righteousness whereas the unrighteous walks groaning under the heavy weight of the law which oppresses him in the cathedral of zurich was a considerable number of veteran soldiers who felt the truth of these words is not love the mightiest of legislators is not everything that it commands instantly accomplished does not he whom we love dwell in our heart and does it not of itself perform what he enjoins accordingly Zwinglius, waxing bold declared to the people of zurich that love to the redeemer was alone capable of making man do things agreeable to god works done out of jesus christ are not useful said the christian orator since everything is done of him in him and by him what do we pretend to arrogate to ourselves wherever faith in god is there god is and wherever god is there is a zeal which presses and urges men to good works only take care that christ be in thee and thou in christ and then doubt not but he will work the life of the christian is just one continued work by which god begins continues and perfects in man everything that is good struck with the grandeur of this divine love which existed from eternity the herald of grace raised his voice to all the timid or irresolute can you fear said he to approach the tender father who has chosen you why has he chosen us in his grace why has he called us why has he drawn us was it that we might not dare to go to him such was the doctrine of Zwinglius; it was the doctrine of christ himself if luther preaches christ he does what i do said the preacher of zurich those who have been brought to christ by him are more numerous than those who have been brought by me but no matter i am unwilling to bear any other name than that of christ whose soldier i am and who alone is my head never was a single scrap written by me to luther or by luther to me and why in order to show to all how well the spirit of god accords with himself since without having heard each other we so harmoniously teach the doctrine of jesus christ thus zuinglius preached with energy and might the large cathedral could not contain the crowds of hearers all thanked god that a new life was beginning to animate the lifeless body of the church swiss from all the cantons brought to zurich either by the diet or by other causes being touched by this new preaching carried its precious seeds into all the helvetic valleys one acclamation arose from mountains and cities nicholas hagius writing from lucerne to zurich says switzerland has hitherto given birth to scipios caesars and brutuses but has scarcely produced two men who had the knowledge of jesus christ and could nourish men's hearts not with vain disputes but with the word of god now that divine providence gives switzerland zuinglius for its orator and oswald Myconius for its teacher virtue and sacred literature revive among us o oh, happy helvetia could you but resolve at length to rest from all your wars and already so celebrated become still more celebrated for righteousness and peace it was said wrote myconius to zwinglius that your voice could not be heard three yards off but i now see it was a falsehood for all switzerland hears you you possess intrepid courage wrote hedio to him from baal i will follow you as far as i am able i have heard you said sebastian Hofmeister of schaffhausen writing to him from constance ah would to god that zurich which is at the head of our happy confederation was delivered from the disease and health thus restored to the whole body but Zuinglius met with opponents as well as admirers to what end said some does he intermeddle with the affairs of switzerland why said others does he in his religious instructions constantly repeat the same things amid all these combats the soul of Zwinglius was often filled with sadness all seemed to be in confusion as if society were turned upside down he thought it impossible that anything new should appear without something of an opposite nature being immediately displayed when a hope sprang up in his heart a fear immediately sprang up beside it still he soon raised his head the life of man here below said he is a war he who desires to obtain glory must attack the world in front and like david make this haughty goliath who seems so proud of his stature to bite the dust the church said he like luther has been acquired by blood and must be renewed by blood the more numerous the defilements in it the more we must arm ourselves like hercules in order to clean out these augean stables i have little fear for luther added he even should he be thundered against by the bolts of this jupiter Zwinglius stood in need of repose and repaired to the waters of baden the curate of the place an old papal guard a man of good temper but completely ignorant had obtained his benefice by carrying a halberd. true to his soldier habits he spent the day and part of the night in jovial company while Staheli, his vicar, was indefatigable in fulfilling the duties of his office. Zwinglius invited the young minister to his house. I have need of Swiss help, said he to him, and from this moment Stendi was his fellow-labourer. Zwinglius, Staheli, and Luti, afterwards pastor of Winterthur, lived under the same roof. The devotedness of Zwinglius was not to pass unrewarded the word of god preached with so much energy could not fail to produce fruit several magistrates were gained experiencing the word to be their consolation and their strength the council grieved at seeing the priests and especially the monks shamelessly delivering from the pulpit whatever came into their heads passed a resolution ordering them not to advance anything in their discourses that they did not draw from the sacred sources of the old and new testament it was in fifteen hundred and twenty that the civil power thus interposed for the first time in the work of the reformation acting as a christian magistrate say some since the first duty of the magistrate is to maintain the word of god and defend the best interests of the citizens depriving the church of its liberty say others by subjecting it to secular power and giving the signal for the series of evils which have since been engendered by the connection between the church and state we will not give any opinion here on this great controversy which in our day is carried on with so much warmth in several countries it is sufficient for us to point out its commencement at the period of the reformation but there is another thing also to be pointed out the act of these magistrates was itself one of the effects produced by the preaching of the word of god at this period the reformation in switzerland ceased to be the work of private individuals and began to be included within the national domain born in the heart of a few priests and literary men it extended rose and took up elevated ground like the waters of the ocean it gradually increased till it had overflowed an immense extent the monks were confounded they were ordered to preach nothing but the word of god and the greater part of them had never read it opposition provokes opposition the resolution of the council became the signal of more violent attacks on the reformation plots began to be formed against the curate of zurich his life was in danger. One evening, when Zwinglius and his vicars were quietly conversing in their house, some citizens arrived in great haste, and asked, Are your doors well bolted? Be this night on your guard. Such alarms were frequent, adds Steheli, but we were well armed, and a guard was stationed for us in the street. In other places, means still more violent were resorted to. An old man of Schaffhausen, named Galster, a man of piety, and of an ardour rare at his period of life, happy in the light which he had found in the gospel, laboured to communicate it to his wife and children. His zeal, perhaps indiscreet, openly attacked the relics, priests, and superstitions with which this canton abounded. He soon became an object of hatred and terror, even to his own family. The old man, penetrating their fatal designs, left his home broken-hearted and fled to the neighbouring forest. There he lived several days subsisting on whatever he could find, when, suddenly, on the last night of the year 1520, torches blazed in all directions through the forest, and the cries of men and the barking of dogs re-echoed under its dark shades. The council had ordered a hunt in the woods to discover him. The dogs scented him out, and the unhappy old man was dragged before the magistrate. He was ordered to abjure his faith, but remained immovable and was beheaded. End of book eight, chapter nine.